Attention duelists. Welcome to Draw Sense Podcast. I'm Rana. I am HR Forges. And I am welcoming you from the American Northeast, where currently right now it is blizzard conditions and snowing heavily right outside my window. And I am currently speaking from Australia, where we just had basically a week of unbearable heat, and now it's overcast, cold, and rainy. So so we've got you covered from literally both sides of the globe for this week's news for Duel Links and some potential things on how to duel better with some of this news. So let's get started. Um, first, we will be talking about what we've been up to in Duel Links. Um, do you mind if I start? Not at all. Okay, great. So first, I have tragically learned that HR Forges hasn't even leveled up Seto Kaiba DM to max level yet. Shush it, you. I <laughs> I don't know how this has happened, but it's just, I am shaken, and I hope that this will soon be remedied, um, for HR Forge's sake as well as my own. Um, on my end, I've been lazy, and finally got around to unlocking Crow and Leo in 5Ds, and been leveling them up since I finished pretty much leveling up everybody else so far, as everybody knows from last episode I talked about how... I pretty much play it more like a completionist sort of way, and HR4 just plays it more for the PvP aspect. So basically looking for new characters to level up, especially since we had the 1.5 times XP duel campaign going on last week. Um, Crow's now at level 35 on my end, Leo's at level 21 because I've been trying to figure out how to make their Palatool deck like budget-friendly and usable, which is apparently very difficult. Personally, worked a lot on the Tag Duel Tournament, which has since concluded. I got really lucky with the lottery, got a lot of prismatics, threes of each card, saved up more than enough event items to get my goal, which each event my goal is always to get the prismatic of their flagship card, in this case, Red Eyes Darkness Dragon. New events, um, we've got the Kite Tenjo event going on. I mean, by this point, you know, we have not had the ability to unlock Kite Tenjo yet, but we are able to unlock uh, the gate to level 40, and then Dual Quest, of course, is completing. I would get in on that probably today, if you want to, especially if you want to get the secret floors, you can get some ultra rare card tickets, super rare card tickets, etc. I think it's ending today. Yeah, it is ending today. So, like, by the time people hear this, too bad. But by the time well, you're hearing this, you should I, be able to get Kite, though, because Kite's also coming out around the same time yes. that um, the Duel Quest is ending. Yes, yeah, they, they've learned since the beginning of Duel Link's brief history, there were, at the beginning, there was a lot of times where there wasn't really a lot of events going on. I think now they've got a lot of standard recurring events plus new things coming out that they can consistently at least always have something going on. But I remember the early days when you'd be playing and pretty much you'd be like, well, I kind of hope there's an event coming out soon because it's getting a little boring around here. And it caused a lot of people to actually take breaks as well because it was just too barren. It was too barren. There wasn't a lot of opportunities to do anything new. There was nothing exciting. But now I think Konami's kind of figured out where they are constantly at least having something going, even if it's just like, you know, dual quest 
or train your Karibo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or train your Karibo, things like that. So again, on my end for PvP, I've not made too much progress on HR Forge's goal, which is for me to do some PvP stuff. I've been focusing, as my usual, on leveling up characters and focusing on events, so I'm only at a paltry bronze rank 1, because I am lazy with a capital L. So, handing it off to HR Forges for their update for the week. Well, like you have alluded to, I've been working on getting DM Kaiba to max level simply and for no other reason because up until recently I didn't have Levineer Dragon, Chaos Dragon Levineer, and you can search that with Kaiba's level 45 reward which is Melody of Awakening Dragon. It's kind of just one of those cards where I'm like I would like to have that before I start trying to play some decks because like you can play them but like I would like to mess around with the card. And so I've been focusing on that. I'm nearly there. Other than that, I've been annoying people in Legend rank with a Weevil, Parasite, Paracate, whatever the Parasite Infestation, or uh, I think is the skill. Yeah, um, using Crawlers and Invocation. That's pretty much all I've been all keeping on top of the events, but I haven't I haven't got the same variety of different things going on. At least not this week anyway. Yeah, so typically HR Forges tends to focus on the PvP aspects and I tend to focus on the events and completionist aspects. So we tend to have different goals, you know, surface wise in terms of the way that we play dual links, but you know, it all kinda of averages out to be the same is you know, you just work on being a better duelist getting all the cards, you know, you can kind of achieve that both ways, and just going up and up, being better. So speaking of focuses, let's talk about some news. So some big news this week, a new box has dropped. I'm going to first hand off to HR Forges to talk about the new mini box coming up, Photon of Galaxy. This is a really exciting box, and part of what's really exciting is that a lot of the exciting parts of it are cards that you can comfortably only have one of and not feel like you're missing out. A lot of people are sort of viewing this box as you can run through it once and be done with it. And I think that's how most people will view it. A lot of that comes with the fact that there are, let me just count them quickly, six new Xyz monsters. And if you don't know, a lot of the time with Xyz monsters, it's a bit like with how... In some synchro decks where it's like you're not making a specific synchro, you're just making any in a certain level range. Well, a lot of decks that play Xyz monsters aren't Noble Knights where they're like, oh, we're mostly making Noble Knights. A lot of decks that play Xyz monsters play them as it's an option because they play a lot of level fours, for example. And so you generally only need one copy of those Xyz monsters unless you're trying to like fill up your extra deck because you don't have other stuff to put in there which is what we had to do at first but as more boxes come out it's less and less so but because there's six generic Xyz monsters that all have good effects in this box you could easily just go through the box one time and you'll be fine 
because those are probably the most exciting parts about the box. There's a few other cool cards, but for the most part, a lot of people are excited for the Xyz monsters. Do you have any anything you want to add to that? So it seems like there, yeah. So it seems like there are a few cards that could potentially be seeing a lot of in PvP coming up in the following weeks if people drop the gems or the actual cash to Komani. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Like I said, this being a mini box, it's even easier like it costs less to go through it but also more importantly a lot of the exciting cards in it you only need one copy of and most of them aren't the urs one of them is but a lot of them are srs and again like a mini box is like so much easier to get the gems to go through and the fact that you don't have to go through it more than once means that you'll almost certainly see a lot of these cards it's kind of like how shiranui were almost entirely from a mini box and that's why so many people had the deck in pvp before it got hit is because it's it's so easy to get some people have made the joke of konami was oh sorry Kamani was happy with how much money people spent on the recent selection box that they gave us a gift with this mini box yeah I mean, personally, I've been taking advantage of how some of the boxes have been having a half-price sale. Oh, yeah, some um, of the older ones, yeah. I've been leveling up Leo, and so I've been really dipping into that Power of Bravery box, which currently has each pack at only 25 gems. So I've been really trying to build up their Power Tool deck from that and having decent success, considering I don't have to spend... I can only have to spend half as many gems as I typically would. That's just what I've been doing in the meantime. Um, I've also been buying some of the selection box ones because I think it's a good investment, you know. You get more bang for your buck, especially if you've not been dumping all of your gems in every single box every time it comes. It gets you more, it makes you more well-rounded in terms of your collection. Selection boxes, if you're looking for a specific card in a selection box, that's not a good thing to do. But if you're just looking, like if you're happy to get anything from the selection box, then it is, like you said, a great value. But as someone who went through what was necessary to get three Book of Moon from the selection box, I will say if you're looking for a specific card and to get multiple of it, it's a terrible deal. And you should probably just wait until it comes in a normal box. Um, but at the same time, the selection box cards don't usually come out for like 9 to 12 months. It is sort of like a have it now versus have it later thing. Do you reckon we could jump into a few of the cards from this new box? Yeah, absolutely. And maybe I can go over some of the noteworthy ones and we can get your first impressions of what they sound like to you. Yeah, why don't you start? Even though it's not the first one on the list, I want to start with Abyss Dweller. It's a rank 4 water sea serpent Xyz monster. You can make it with any two level 4 monsters. It doesn't have to be a water. But if you do use a water monster, all your water monsters gain 500 attack. And Abyss Dweller actually has 1700 attack. So with this boost, it will go to 22. I was just going to say, it's going to be really great with either like a reloaded Mako deck or with... Uh, the shark. Shark man. Shark attack. You will definitely see this card in any deck, to be honest, because the second effect, that first effect with the attack boost is, it's pretty like whatever. It's like, it'll be good in water decks, but like, most people actually forget that effect is there, because the second effect is so, so much better. Mm -hmm. It reads, once per turn, 
during either player's turn, you can detach a material, and then for the rest of that turn, any card effect that activates in your opponent's graveyard cannot be activated. So it's kind of like a Necro Valley effect there. It's a little bit of a Necro Valley, but it only affects your opponent, and it's not completely like Necro Valley. You could still use Monster Reborn if someone used Abyss Dweller, but you couldn't with Necro Valley. Just Abyss Dweller only stops stuff in the graveyard from activating, whereas Necro Valley stops stuff in the graveyard from doing anything, including like being brought back with Monster Reborn, for example. The amazing part about Abyss Dweller is that it's the first good rank 4 monster for going first. Because up until now, they've all been, like, not good going first. Like, Utopia was the best, and that was, like, not great. Whereas with Abyss Dweller, you can make it, and then it lets your opponent know, hey, I can shut down your graveyard at any time. Which really nerfs a lot of decks. Yeah. There's a lot of things that people will have to learn to love to hate Abyss Dweller. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's true of any deck that ends up becoming, you know, part of the main part of a current meta. Especially if it's not, like, a easily accessible card, but at least with this mini box, it will be a little bit more accessible to people who don't drop stacks in Duel Links. And that's the thing, like, yeah, it is a UR, but you don't need three copies of it. You only need need one, so... The thought of going through a mini box one time, even if you had to get all packs from it, that's still nowhere near as bad as some main box cards that you need three of. But I'll move on now to Kite's Ace Monster, which is Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon. I know that Kite have a skill that adds it to the deck, but you could also just pull the card yourself if you want to... I'd like to interject by saying that having these skills for people who've not been playing since the inception of the game, people who are a bit new to Duel Links, having skills that allows you to add the card to your deck when you first acquire a new character is a relatively new development. It used to be with Duel Links that you would get their ace monster just standard when you got their deck and you could just empty it out and put your own cards in. I think um, I think it's been since 5Ds if I remember yeah. correctly, yeah. I think because the GX characters, we definitely don't have any skills for most of the GX characters and then we didn't even get the ace monsters for most of the GX characters either. Like Zane, you don't get Cyber Dragon at all. You have to go and pull it from a box. They've changed that since, I think I want to say a year or two ago. I noticed that, I think what the shift was, a little bit of Duel Links history. Um, I think what happened is at first with Duel Links, you know, they were really trying to get people on board with actually playing the game because before then, it was mostly the card game, and it was kind of, I believe, shortly after Pokemon Go became like a thing, so Konami kind of saw, hey, maybe we can do a thing with mobile gaming. It was just kind of becoming really, truly popular then, and so they were really trying to get, like, entice people to come on board to complete these events and to get these new characters to unlock characters so as an incentive, um, whenever you got a new character, you kind of got like their ace monster. And that was like an automatic UR or automatic super rare. Over time, as 
you know, they got way, way, way more people on board playing Duel Links and consistently and started having lots of events that got to be really popular in the game, having the ability to enter the world championship virtually. And then, of course, with COVID-19, making doing everything virtual more popular and enticing. I think that there was less need for that incentive. That's my speculation anyway. But this is just what I have seen from playing it from the inception of the game. So sorry to interrupt you, HR Forges, but I think it was really important for people who are kind of newer to the game to understand the shift there with getting certain cards. Yeah, little little bit of information about Kite for anyone who, who knows nothing about Zexel. Kite is essentially a mix, like character-wise and also character development-wise, would be what would happen if Kaiba had the character development of Jack Atlas. Because Kaiba has next to no character development. Yeah, except for Noah's Ark. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, he goes from being like, oh, I am the Blue Eyes guy, to being, oh, I am Blue Eyes plus Obelisk guy, but I also want all the Egyptian gods because I am Kaiba. But he doesn't really have a lot of character development. Not a lot of the DM characters did, if we're being honest, though. They did their best. A lot of their development was really not, like, the best arcs. Like, I actually personally just finished rewatching Noah's Ark from Season 3 in DM with my future wife and to try to get her up to date with getting up to my favorite season, which is Season 4, and rewatching it, that part, which was not in the manga, was really trying to humanize Kaiba, but... I, it did and it didn't all at once, and the fact that it was like such a poorly executed arc, I think they basically took everything from DM and improved upon it, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate from DM lovers like myself out there for it, but it is true that as much as I love the original series, the whole point of the new series was to not only improve upon the game mechanics and the summoning tactics, but also to improve upon actual plot line when they're not dueling. And in addition when they are showing duels to make them actually cohesive with current meta and card rules, because that was not a thing with DM. Kai is like if Kaiba had character development, but the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon, which is Kai's ace monster, it's a main deck monster, so not an Xyz monster like most of Zexal characters and it has the same attack and defense as blue eyes white dragon but it's an effect monster also it's a level 8 light dragon as well so other than the fact that it's an effect monster it's the exact same and to mirror kaiba's obsession with hunting down copies of blue eyes and then eventually the egyptian god cards kai is obsessed with hunting down uh the number cards and that's actually reflected in Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon's effect. So I'll just read it out all now. It says, you can special summon this card from your hand by tributing two monsters with 2,000 or more attack. Then during either player's battle step, when this card battles an opponent's monster, you can target that monster this card is battling, banish both that opponent's monster and Galaxy Eyes itself, and they come back at the end of the battle phase. But if the opponent's monster was an Xyz monster, Galaxy Eyes actually gains attack for each material that Xyz monster had at the time it was banished. Now, the thing that people might not know is that if you banish a Xyz monster and then it comes back to the field later, it won't have any of its Xyz materials because when you banish it, the materials will go to the graveyard. So this card basically just battles an Xyz monster and doesn't kill it 
because its effect doesn't actually let it battle, but they both come back to the field at the end of the battle phase, the opponent's Xyz monster won't have any materials, and Galaxy Eyes will actually have an attack boost. Yeah, so it's like a one-two punch. Yeah, but also, unfortunately, it's kind of a bad card. There's some support for Galaxy Eyes and Photon that we don't have uh, that's in, like, the TCG that could make this good, but it's kind of just a bit of a mediocre card. But it'd be fun, for sure. Any additional thoughts on that? In particular about Galaxy and Photon cards, I think that for the time being, like you said, I think that they will be more fun decks as opposed to super competitive decks and yes for new players there is a bit of a difference sometimes your favorite deck is not necessarily the most competitive deck out there and vice versa sometimes a competitive deck is not necessarily the most fun one to play for the time being especially with galaxy eyes it's going to need more support before it becomes actually competitive but it's still exciting for the time being and probably being timed with kite tenjo's release is intentional and timely. That is my thoughts on Galaxy and Photon cards in particular. Awesome. So the third UR card in this mini box is Photon Thrasher. Now, it is a Photon card, but what I will say is that the main connection between Photon cards and Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon is that the Photon cards try to get 2,000 or more attack, which is the requirement to special summon Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon. But they're also very good at getting multiple level 4 monsters out. They're probably much better for being a rank 4 Xyz deck rather than being used in an actual Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon deck. But anyway, I'll read Photon Thrasher's effect now. It's a level 4 Light Warrior. It's got 2,100 attack, zero defense. It says, cannot be normal summoned or set. Must be first special summoned from your hand while you control no monsters. And if you control another monster, this card can't attack. Basically a better Cyber Dragon. Because it doesn't require your opponent to have a monster. It's just a free level 4. You can then normal summon another level 4 or whatever you want to do. And then get a rank 4 monster. Or it doesn't restrict you on what you can do with it. So you can actually also special summon this. And then normal summon a tuner. Go for a synchro summon if you really want to. I think it's quite a flexible card. I don't know if it's specifically going to make a big difference in the metagame. But I'm sure it will find room somewhere. So you believe this is kind of a flexible card, or is it kind of like deck specific? It's definitely flexible. Rank 4 Xyz monsters is one of the best pulls of Xyz monsters because, one, getting multiple level 4s out is like quite easy, and two, there's just a lot of good rank 4 monsters, and so you combine those two factors together and it essentially makes any level 4 monster that can either special summon itself or summon another level 4 flexible card. So I would definitely say it's a flexible card, yes. So that is really great to put in a mini box, especially flexible cards that can be used in any deck to enhance your competitiveness. It's always good. Good on Konami. I'd say the only UR that isn't flexible is Galaxy Eyes Photon Dragon. That's the only one that you would have to make a deck specifically for. The other two, you could put them in all sorts of different decks. What about Super Rares? 
So for the super rares, I'm not going to go over all of them. They don't really have a lot to really talk about. I'll go over the Xyz monsters first, just because we're sort of on that theme. The first one being is Photon Strike Bouncer. It's a rank 6 light warrior. It just requires two level 6 monsters, and it reads once per turn during either player's turn, when a monster effect is activated on your opponent's side of the field, you can detach one material from it, negate the effect, and if you do, inflict 500 damage to your opponent. And this monster has 2700 attack, by the way. Why don't you talk about how it's better than Force Focus, which is a commonly competitive card? In some cases... Force Focus can deal with things that Photon Strike Bouncer can't because of some specific wording differences. But the important thing to note about Photon Strike Bouncer is it can negate any monster, whereas Force Focus can only negate level 5 or higher. And the main deck you'll probably see this in is either Thunder Dragons. They love to make rank 6s and it's a really good going first rank 6 to put down because then you can just say no to one monster your opponent tries to use the effect of. The other deck would be the Onomatopoeia deck because they also very easily go into rank 6s. That's a good point, yeah. Other than that, there isn't much else to say about it. It's just a good card, like with a lot of the cards we're talking about here. It's just a good card. If you can make it, you're probably going to want to play it. This leads me to wonder, um, since this mini box is dropping a lot of good cards that are good for most decks across the board, I wonder if there are some either changes coming to the current meta or if perhaps there is another PvP event coming up that they are trying to prepare people for. Just because of like the pattern of when they do them, I think we're expecting a KC Cup to come up at some point, and I wouldn't be surprised if Thunder Dragons end up getting put back on the ban list. Fun times. <laughs> Just because I think a lot of people will play that in the KC Cup, especially with Photon Strike Bounds are being out now, and also we got Constella Ptolemy M7 in the last box, and they're both good rank 6 monsters that Thunder Dragons didn't have in the last KC Cup. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens, but yeah, I think I like where your head's at with putting two and two together. Well, you heard it here first. Thunder Dragons is potentially going to go on the ban list, so prepare. That was not an original <laughs> idea. Uh, <laughs> Moving on to the next card, it's another SR. It's called Ghostrick Alucard, rank 3 dark. It's a zombie with 1800 attack, 1600 defense. It requires just two level 3 monsters. And most of its effect is pretty irrelevant. I'll read through it anyway. Basically got three effects, but only one of it really matters. Monsters your opponent control cannot target face-up ghost trick monsters or any face-down defense position monsters for attacks except Alucard. And then its next effect is you can detach one material from this card, target one set card your opponent controls, and destroy that target. And then its third effect is if this card is sent to the graveyard, you can target one ghost trick card, one other ghost trick card in your graveyard, add that target to your hand. So the only really important part is the targeting one set card and destroying it. You're able to destroy, you know, face down spell or traps, but you can also destroy a face down monster. 
because it doesn't specify monster or spell or trap. But one thing you do need to keep in mind is that because of how this effect is worded, say if you were to target a spell or trap and it was a continuous trap, right? You didn't know because it's face down. If your opponent then chains it, so say it's a fiendish chain for example, if you target the card that was a fiendish chain with Alucard, they can actually chain the fiendish chain and say target Alucard. Alucard won't actually destroy the fiendish chain. Actually no, that's a bad example. Um, <laughs> say the fiendish chain doesn't target Alucard, it targets a different monster of yours. Alucard won't actually destroy the fiendish chain, just because of how it's worded. I don't think that's going to come up too much just because there's not a lot of continuous traps that wouldn't already get activated beforehand. That's just one little nuance of Yu-Gi-Oh. As we know, Yu-Gi-Oh players don't read and that is a common failing for many people when they're dueling, especially in PvP, is they assume before actually playing the card that a card is going to have certain effects. They play the card and they're shocked to learn that it doesn't work the way that it intended. One thing that HR Forges taught me a year or two back was that Yu-Gi-Oh cards, their effects are very literal. They're literally telling you very specifically and logically how the effects go. So looking for certain words like if or you can as opposed to this card will activate certain effects are really important. I've actually got a video that describes the different, like very clearly and concisely describes the difference between a when you can versus a if you can effect. Because they sound like the same thing, but they're really not. So you should definitely check out HR Forge's other YouTube channel as well for more information on the specific card effects in Yu-Gi-Oh, especially if you're a new player, like when and if and do you even have a say in when these card effects activate? Or even if you do, even if you're like a veteran player, just go and watch them anyway. Speaking <laughs> speaking of cards that people will probably play wrong, our next card, Steel Swarm Roach. It's an SR, rank 4 Dark Fiend, with 1900 attack, 0 defense. It requires any two level 4 monsters, and it reads... During either player's turn, when a level 5 or higher monster would be special summoned, you can detach one material from this card, negate the special summon, and if you do, destroy it. This card sounds amazing, but is it as good as it sounds? A lot of people who read this are going to read this and go, Oh, I can now stop Desperado Barrel Dragon from summoning itself. Or I can now stop the White Stone of Legend summoning a Blue Eyes. You can't do either of these. We haven't really seen a lot of the difference between what a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh! community has dubbed an inherent summon versus a non-inherent summon. And so what's the differences? The key thing you need to know is that Steel Swarm Roach only negates the summon if the summon does not start a chain. If you can see that the monster will be summoned and you could build a chain link by chaining cards to it, then you can't negate it. But if it's something like, a very easy example is a Synchro Summon. You can't chain to your opponent Synchro Summon. You can respond to it, or you can negate it, but you can't chain to it. A Synchro Summon of a level 5 or higher monster could be negated and destroyed by Steel Swarm Roach. However, something like, I said before, Desperado Barrel Dragon, it starts a chain, because its effect to summon itself 
happens on the chain link. Another example of a card you could negate would be Cyber Dragon, because Cyber Dragon doesn't start a chain. The easiest way if you want to see a card does or doesn't start a chain is that in the part of the effect that is special summoning that monster, if that effect includes either during the part that specifically summons, if it includes a semicolon or a colon, then it will start a chain. And another example of a card could be negated by Still Swarm Roach is Chaos Sorcerer or Chaos Dragon Levineer. Even though they don't just summon themselves, they do have to banish cards, you can never chain to your opponent banishing those cards. And that's why you can use Still Swarm Roach. But I do acknowledge that despite myself and I'm sure a lot of other people going out of their way to explain this, we're still going to see people winning or losing games because they don't know how this card works. Every person that I've seen talk about this card, like on different videos, have all said the exact same thing of like distinguishing between some of them are like the biggest people and whatever. And it's not going to matter. It's like it's that Golden Castle field spell called. I can't remember the name of it. Golden Castle of Stromberg. I fully believe that you could get from where you are right now rank wise to gold one just by people not reading that card. That reminds me of that meme I saw that says, I won't read, and it's the Golden Castle of Stromberg card. And yep. it's like, yo, what the fuck? My monster's destroyed. <laughs> oh, man. That's what's going to happen with Still Swarm Roach. People are going to be like, I can't read. Why is my Still Swarm Roach not negating the blue eyes white dragon summoned from White Stone of Legend? It's the same thing that's going to happen. The last SR Xyz monster that we're going to talk about. It's also the last SRXE monster, but we are going to talk about it, so... Number 70, Malevolent Sin. It's a dark rank 4 insect with 2400 attack, 1200 defense. It requires two level 4 monsters, and it reads, once per turn, you can detach one Xyz material from this card, then target one monster your opponent controls, banish it until your opponent's next standby phase, and then its second effect is at the end of the damage step, if this card attacked, you can make this card gain 300 attack, and if you do, increase its rank by 3. An important thing to note is that attack boost and that rank increase is permanent. Oh shit, that's pretty decent. Even if it, if it goes to the graveyard and comes back? No, so if it goes to the grave and comes back, it will be at oh. regular attack. I mean still though. As long as it stays face up on the field, it will have that attack increase. But I think the really good part about its effect is the first one, where you can just detach a material and then banish your opponent's monster. Yeah, it does come back, but this card is going to be very good for just winning quicker. And also, if you're playing against like someone that you know is playing Blue Eyes, because like they're playing DSOD Kyber and they set one monster, it's likely to assume that that monster they set is a stone. So instead of attacking into the stone and they summon a blue eyes you can just banish the stone and attack directly so i think this is going to be a really good card so sounds like it's an absolutely amazing card sounds like there's a lot of really good cards coming out in this new mini box so a lot of good stuff to look out for is there any final remarks that you wanted to make on this mini box before we move on to some event news i did want to bring up just real quickly a little pet peeve i have with this box when i got back into Yu-Gi-Oh a handful of years ago first deck i wanted to build was ghost tricks because i thought it was a very quirky mechanic with how they played and i just wanted to play a fun deck 
I know that Ghost Tricks is one of your personal favorites. It's one of my favorites. They gave us some Ghost Trick support here. We've already talked about Ghost Trick Alucard, but they gave us one of the good, like, main deck monsters, Ghost Trick Jiangxi, but that monster is only good if we have the level 1 Ghost Tricks, which we have none of, and the only other Ghost Trick card that they gave us in this set is Ghost Trick Warwolf, which is bad. It was bad since it came out in the TCG because it does 100 damage for each set card on the field when it's flipped face up. But because Konami's doing this whole burn damage nerf thing, Warwolf's only doing 50. That 100 damage could have been doubled and it still wouldn't be good, okay? It being halved makes Warwolf an already bad card even more unplayable. And I'm just annoyed because they're teasing me, okay? Anyway. Okay, so now that we know that Ghost Tricks need more love. No, 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 I need more love. This is a personal attack. <laughs> okay, Konami. Side note, HR Borges needs more love. I mean, we all need more love, especially in this day and age, right? Now that we have gone over the mini box, let's go a little bit into some news. Now, we already talked about some event stuff. We've already speculated a little bit about possible new events. It seems like Konami's started to get the pacing now about releasing boxes timed with events, timed with new characters dropping, timed with new PvP events or recurring ones, such as the KC Cup. So right now, currently, Kite Tenjo is event exclusive for the first time, but as of this recording, we don't know yet much more than that because the character himself has not dropped. In like... Yeah, I mean, we're gonna know. I think like seven-ish hours. Pretty quick. Dual Quest is wrapping up. Kite Tenjo is gonna drop in about seven-ish hours, both Australian time and North American time. I mean, yeah, seven hours is the same anywhere. So that's a very exciting release. Kite would already be out for everyone listening, so I mean, how about you all tell us how good or bad Kite is? Stereotypical drop in the comments, you know, as every YouTuber loves to say. Your thoughts on Kite Tenjo. Title available for event completion for trophy collectors like myself. Number Hunter Kite Tenjo completed at achieving 5 million points of the event. That's the type of stuff that I go for is I'm really big on title collecting. I think I've collected most of the titles that since they've made it a thing, again that's kind of a relatively new thing for Duel Links, is they didn't really have title completion so when you kind of got to the end of the event, unless it was like a special mat or something, people kind of weren't super motivated to continue playing in events. So now I think that is a motivator that Konami's dropped to basically get people to actually complete events. And so that way they can be like, haha, I have so many titles for certain events. It also used to be a lot harder to get these titles when they first dropped them, but now they're a little bit easier. So other news. So yeah, so in terms of new events coming up, in terms of some new upcoming, it looks like they're going to improve the auto build deck feature. So this is not event specific, but personally I have recently discovered the beauties of auto build, especially for auto building, including cards you don't own to kind of basically set your own personal goals. I know that they drop, you know, deck goals automatically for Duel Links. I don't find them to be super useful personally, 
but I do find it nice to be able to kind of create my own deck and create my own auto build goals. What I used to do is whenever I dueled somebody in PvP, for they made all of this a thing, including deck goals in the dual studio, I whenever I duel somebody in PvP and I'm like, damn, I hate that deck, I need that deck. I would basically just copy that deck and set it as a goal for getting certain cards and now they make it a lot easier for you so you don't have to do that. So it looks like they're going to be tweaking that feature a bit. They've already implemented the auto build changes. I don't remember what they are but I'm pretty sure it, they've already implemented them. Um, I could be wrong though. Yeah, so that's something I definitely improved upon. It looks like with the mini box, we can forecast that there's going to be some new events coming up. I mean, they haven't really updated us yet. It just seems like right now they're really focusing on the sales to make the money. The mini box is set to come out on the, the 1st of February, right? And I think generally speaking, either, I can't remember if it's either at the right at the end of the month or right at the start but either way they generally like to do like a little bit of a forecast of like the month ahead like they they're usually quite vague about it so yeah we should be expecting that with within the week right now there's a big focus on the zexel world not only in the current boxes that are available and the current um, events that are available but also not only with the boxes available but also with the events available there's a big focus on zexel right now personally since the level caps only at level 30 and the series caps for stages is only at level 30 as well i have actually since the first since zexel first dropped i personally haven't been spending a lot of time in there but i have really been trying to build out my Xyz cards that I've been because it, it seems that they're kind of one of those cards that really certain cards work well for any deck it doesn't matter because you don't need tuners you don't need you don't need spell cards the term people use for like a lot of those sort of Xyz cards that are like yeah. how the, you're explaining they the term that's usually used is the Xyz toolbox it's like you build up your toolbox of the tools the Xyz monsters and then you just have the option to have like oh well I've noticed that I've needed an extra way to get rid of say like I needed an extra way to flip monsters face down so I've added my stroke the symphony gin I believe that's the name uh, to my deck because it can flip monsters face down they're, they're just sort of for like filling those holes and yeah that's why this box is quite good is because it has a lot of those sort of cards, and those sort of cards you don't need multiples of, so you can very cheaply get your hands on My them. My recommendation for newer players who are, or for players who focus more on PvP like HR Forges and really need a little more tips for maxing out events and getting titles, things like that, and maybe you want to become more of a completionist moving forward, a good way to do it and do it quickly for this particular type of event where you have the new duelist in question at the gate. So I would absolutely do what you can to use your event items to get to level 40 first of all, then second of all at the event gate, and second of all, when you do, do not duel until you have two things. One, you have enough event items where you can reward multiply times three, and second of all, when you do duel, when you use your items, I would use that results booster, which is, you know, that gem you can use that says it's the black one saying when used at the beginning of a duel, this item increases your duel assessment score by a thousand, not counting surrenders. The reason I say that is because when you 
are dueling at level 40, your point, point multiplier is typically times 16. Now times 3, that makes 48. So you have already a point multiplier times 48 plus an additional 1,000. So even if you have a dual loss and nothing else, 48, 48 times 2,000, right? You're going to be getting 96,000 points minimum, okay? You're just going to be blowing through. And that's if that's just assuming you couldn't even get anything on the field. You can't even use any spells or traps. You couldn't even get a monster on. They just like, totally annihilate you, okay? So there are ways that you can milk these events, even if you're not like the world's best duelist, and you can get to get those event titles, get those cards, get those skills, level up your characters, and you can just blow through these events in a pretty quick amount of time. Now, a way to quickly also get these event items, they give you an option, of course, through PvP dueling. If you duel up to three times, you can get typically anywhere from, I think, 10 to 20 items. Additionally, of course, also through auto-dueling, which is a great feature. Auto-dueling the standard duelists in Duel World, auto-dueling the Vagabond, auto-dueling whenever a legendary duelist appears. These are really great ways to get events. You typically, at the beginning of the day, you'll get some additional event items. So I would stock them up typically to get enough to duel at level 40 at a gate. You need about 120 items and then plus that one black gem for the booster for a results bonus and you're going to be sitting pretty. So that's typically how I duel these events. This is a very particular duel strategy for dueling at the gate. This does not necessarily work, for example, for raid duels or for PvP duels or tag duels. Those we can get into more in different podcasts, but for today, that is my recommendation to get the absolute most out of this event. Happy dueling. <laughs> so that's that's my little soapbox there and using numbers to your advantage, which again, a lot of duelists are good at and some need a little a little bit of help. Using these events is a really good way to springboard your competitiveness in the PvP as well, and vice versa. I mean, they're both meant to be synergists. Whether they're perfectly synergist or not is up for debate. But if you are able to kind of counterbalance both, which I would say neither of us are perfect at, but we're working on, you're going to be one hell of a duelist. Getting into wrapping up, is there any final words you wanted to part with HR Forges? I think I've, I've said what I've come to say. And I think I've also said what I've come to say. So thank you again for joining us for our second podcast at Draw Sense Podcast. We hope to see you next week. And by then, we will hopefully have some news on Kite Tenjo and maybe even the new mini box. So thank you. Bye. Bye.